Welcome back to season two of Preaching to the Choir podcast with your host, me, Jen Randall. Hi, guys. Missed you. This season, we are doing interviews with a different director each Saturday of show choir season. We are going to talk to them about their state and choral music, not just show choir. And we're going to do a different state each week as well. Up first, please welcome my good friend from the great state of Iowa, Mr. Ted Brimmer. Yes, uh, I have heard that these are good places to record. I wouldn't know, but <laughs> um, amazing. Well, you're only the second one I've done in the new house closet, though, which is infinitely better than the old house closet. Like, there's okay. actually room for me to sit and, like, you know, <laughs> not be, like, under a pile of clothes at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. Let's start at what are you doing with your groups this year? Before we kind of get into biographical stuff about you, because it's just such a weird year, and I think we're all fascinated because everybody's doing something a little different. So what does Urbandale Show Choir, what does studio look like this year? Yeah, so we are, I guess the main, we we, we met with parents and kids at the beginning of the school year. Mm-hmm. Of course, via Zoom, we had this, mm-hmm. you know, what's choir going to look like this year? We had right. a webinar, and um, uh, one of the things that I've been amazed and like pleasantly surprised with, even though maybe I shouldn't feel like that, is just the um, enthusiasm and participation level throughout mm-hmm. the year. Um, I guess sometimes when I feel like things move to a virtual world, uh, I always just think it's not going to be as meaningful. Yeah. It's not going to be as good. And maybe, it, you know, nothing replaces the real life thing, but just as sort of the, the, the theme for this year, um, it's been so refreshing to see how engaged everybody is and how wanting to make a meaningful experience for these kids and and for each other seems to be like the main theme. So I guess what's guided us this year uh, first has been health and safety Mm -hmm. first priority. Yeah. So we're going to take our, we're going to take our mitigation practices really seriously. Good. Uh, And then the second is building community mm-hmm. because I think, you know, why are people in choir? Why are people in show choir? Right. And it's, it's because of uh, that connectedness we feel between one another mm-hmm. and as, as being a part of something greater than ourselves. And so that uh, we have then allowed our third priority, which is a high quality musical experience. Right. I mean, those are the priorities in that order. So we have focused more on community this year than maybe we would in a normal year, mm-hmm. um, just because w- we really want to keep kids. We want to keep kids in the program. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we want to survive, <clears throat> and because there is a light at the end of the tunnel, we we know that there's hope that we are going to be back to normal someday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we, you know, how do we keep? kids and families engaged. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it's been like in the big picture. And then in terms of the day to day, Mm -hmm. uh, we are, you know, we're prepping a show studio is, uh, we have a four song set. Okay. Um, so it's, it's pared down. We don't have a costume change. Actually, we were, we were planning a costume change. Mm -hmm. We were planning to add a costume change number. Um, and then mid November as cases spiked in Iowa, um, and around the country, we, when all online and yeah. in Iowa, 
when the school in in Iowa, when the school district goes online, you can't do any more activities, athletics. Okay, so extracurriculars are shut down as well at that the point. The only th- yes, in person, the only thing you can do is meet with your team on online. Gotcha. Okay. And so we, so that sort of um, kiboshed the, like we we really felt like okay we are we're hitting our stride you know we're learning how to sing and dance ten feet apart. Um, not rehearsing in the not rehearsing in the auditorium. We are uh, we're in our lunchroom and then in our media center, uh, and we can sort of make it work in the auditorium. But like, um, I mean, you've been to our yeah. I, you've been to our venue. Like, we do have we're really fortunate to have this giant wing space, mm-hmm. and like half the group is literally in the wing space, not visible from the audience. Right, but you know, sometimes that's fun. No, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's at least another space. And so, and we're also like abiding by the uh, Colorado state and uh, university of Colorado aerosol research. Mm -hmm. So we are singing in a space for a maximum of 30 minutes. And then we have to migrate to another room. Mm -hmm. We move all the gear. Uh, It's, (laughs) I mean, I'm a super proud of you because I don't Ugh. think everyone is doing that, and that stresses me out. B, yeah. yikes! <laughs> Just you know, yikes. It, yeah, well, you you have to. I, I, I think I say this once a week is that you have to laugh or else I oh, you might start. You crying. would cry. There is no there is no in between. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but oh, gosh, so you know we are uh, our preview show is always scheduled for the weekend before winter break, right? Like. This is my 11th year at Urbandale, mm-hmm. and for 10 years, this has always happened. Yeah. And we have our auditorium seats almost 1,200. And, like, for this preview show, for one choir, we usually bring in six, 700 people. Like, it's, yeah. we, have a, we have a great turnout of alumni and mm-hmm. obviously families of performers and just random community members. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that didn't get to happen. Yeah. Um, and so we are, we are planning on. So we had our first in-person rehearsal last night. Okay, I was gonna say, are you back? Yeah, in person. We are. We came back. We have also never rehearsed over winter break. Uh, just oh, well, that's we, a fun treat. I, I can know, tell you I know. experience. <laughs> I know, I know. But we start a lot earlier. I mean, we start in August. No, so I, I'm a, tr- a fan of the not rehearsing over Christmas break. So I definitely yeah, know well, it's, and- it's a thing. Families like to travel. They do. Mm-hmm. And so this provides them that opportunity. But You may like to, you know, see your children. There's also that. <laughs> right. So, yes, you know, it's be hard. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, we knew that that we were going to have to get together, together over break to try and pull this off. Sure. We've rescheduled the preview show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just started blocking the show last night. Yeah. Um, with, with six feet of distance between yeah. each person. Um, and it's amazing how you get used to the 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 space around you mm-hmm. on a normal set of risers, mm-hmm. and then when you don't have that, it's just it's a really sort of like bizarre experience. Yeah. Did they um, learn their choreography virtually? Was your choreographer right. in person? Uh, so Stephen Todd still choreographs yep. for us, and we learned everything in person at school, but Stephen teaching remotely from right. Mitchell. Okay. Yeah. I've kind of heard at, that from some other schools of his. Yeah. It was, uh, I was amazed with how well it worked. Like, yeah, gosh, I'm just, you know, these students are amazing yeah. and they, uh, and particular, particularly so in this year, like, uh, 
last night uh, was not the most Last night was a very productive rehearsal, but it also was not as productive as it could have been sure. because they were so excited to see each other. Right. <laughs> and so, you have to leave room for that. That's important. Right, right, right. And so there were there were some times where we tried to rein it in. And, you know, as, <laughs> as we know as directors, it's all about that balance. It is. Um, yep. I cannot imagine uh, I cannot imagine going through this year with a different senior class. You know, that's an interesting thing that I have heard from many directors. And so I don't know if it was just literally something in the water the year they were born or if they've all just risen to the occasion universally, but that's not even geographically like specific to where you are. Like everybody I've heard is like, couldn't do it with any other seniors. Last year's seniors would have been a disaster. Um, the kids who are freshmen, by the time they're seniors, I can't imagine them doing it this well. Like everybody's in agreement that like something about this senior class is making it work. I, I just think it goes back to like, what the students are capable of mm -hmm. and um i think they so desperately want to have their year yeah and so and it's like we know. want that for them that's i mean i don't know that parents always understand because i don't know what your parents are like they're probably great but i've certainly heard some horror stories of parents being really upset about you know things being slowly well now we can't do that well now we're not gonna be able to do that and you know we feel it it's not like mm -hmm. we're not sympathetic. It's not that yeah. we're trying to ruin your child's senior year. We get it. Yeah. We we see more of them their senior year than you do in most cases, parents. You know, like we yeah. want that for them too. But um, but there's a long-term thing we have to keep in mind here. There's a greater good we have to keep in mind here. And those are important lessons too. That yeah. these kids are learning that the whole world does not revolve around them, which is something that it does nor normally do on a regular senior year. So, like, kind of what yeah. a great lesson we're teaching them, you know, on some level. I think you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, yeah, I, I'm so thrilled. So, like, learning the choreography remotely, like, the amount of responsibility that the dance captains have had to take on, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and you remember in working with Stephen, like, the the genius he is with his blocking yes and now we i mean that's part of what makes his choreography tick it is, is a huge part yeah mm -hmm. and the, the i mean just i've learned so much and yet i can't even get close to replicating his his skill yes um, because yes. like i i will block our ballad mm -hmm. and then in a typical year he'll come back and see it and it'll just be like oh no 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 <laughs> It's like, I just, I should be better at this. Every now. year he would look at me and be like, um, well, that was a choice. Let's, um, how about if we do it? And I'm like, I, it feels like it looks the same as yours. And then he would fix it. And I'd be like, oh no, what I did was not the same. No. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're taking that on and, yeah. uh, it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful to have these students in my life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can sacrifice three evenings of my winter break yeah. to try and put together, you know, to mm -hmm. put together something that's going to resemble totally a, a studio preview show, yes. you know, next week. Yes, absolutely. And you're going to have it streamed virtually? Are you going to allow people in? Uh, uh, that remains to be seen. Okay. The, ori the original plan was to, like, voucher mm -hmm. an audience yeah. um so like each kid in the group could would get between one and two vouchers mm -hmm. for family members <laughs> and then the family members can bring those in you know in a 1200 seat auditorium uh we can probably fit 
120 people distanced throughout okay. the house. Um, masking required. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, this is for a 14-minute show. You're right. You're like, please and do so, all of this and then bye. <laughs> well, right. And, and you know, our winter, we've had to re- our winter concert was supposed to be in December. Where yeah. We've rescheduled that for January. Each choir has to perform separately on its own goofy Gosh. mini set. Uh, but I think, you know, just in what we've learned from the fall with athletics mm-hmm. and with marching band, like uh, our – our families and our students just giving them some sort of performing experience, mm-hmm. some sort of uh, some sort of showcase of their abilities um, is it's better than nothing. Yes, anything. My my dad is a great proponent of someone who always says to me, and I didn't really get this until I was an adult. As a child, I was like, shut up about it. But there's <laughs> it doesn't have to be one or the other it doesn't have to be black or white there's often a middle ground and I don't know why I'm this way but I think a lot of musicians tend to be this way where it is either a perfect performance or Mm. everything was terrible there was no in between and some of us I think have taken that attitude and that emotion into this year which can be dangerous and and frustrating like you can't just say we're not going to have any show choir because we can't Mm. have normal show choir or we're not going to have any performances because they can't be normal so kudos to you for like finding ways to make it happen because that's what really they're here for they don't care whether it's you know right right well and it's but it's it's also definitely not me um Mm. I mean it's it's like my boss, my activities director who yeah. just called, like, you You've know, got a we're good support system. Well, yeah. And also sort of that, like that little push off the ledge, like, just like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, because I am very guilty of like having a standard mm-hmm. that we need oh, to meet yeah. mm-hmm. in performance mm-hmm. and, um, to, to like try and put out a, a product that is not at that standard mm-hmm. is not really somewhere I want to be. I wish you could and see Ted's so... face right now, everyone. He's a little <laughs> bit stressed out just at the thought of it. Uh, and we just, we have to let that go. Yeah, you do. And it, yeah. It's... And, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing, again, either. It's an important mm-hmm. lesson, I think, for people to learn, people being us as adults, that like right. control is an illusion friends it's not like we really have full control over what's going on in our department even though most years it seems more than this year that we would have control so yeah I mean I'll bet money that your kids are still putting on a good performance because I know your kids and I know your standards even though it may not be what you would want it to be in a regular year right yeah 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 they're not they're not out there falling down unless it's on purpose in a comedy number about a cruise ship (laughs) with lobsters I don't think anybody <laughs> fell down on that number, though. I should actually, say. Uh, yeah, you know your uh, your successor mm-hmm. in your previous position mm-hmm. just texted me last night asking if he could borrow the shark costumes. Oh bless! I don't even know oh. where that's going. I, will I just have to funny you bring up the lobster, the lobsters, and the <laughs> the cruise ship because speaking of it, Stephen Todd, nobody does a novelty number better. I feel like that is oh, my man. favorite, my I, favorite, favorite. You know, when I started off in this goofy profession, <laughs> I. Uh, I hated novelty numbers, and I, <laughs> I thought they were so stupid. Um, but yet, I would appreciate. I would well, right, right, right. I would appreciate the quiet. Well, this is because I was a serious musician, Jen. right? Yes, you were. <laughs> and I would watch the choirs that would do them particularly well. Yes. And, um, and I would just 
like I would be, I would enjoy them as an audience member, but yes. then I would secretly be grateful that I wasn't having to deal with all the garbage on stage. There's just so much going on. Yes. Uh, and you know, it's just really interesting to look at our evolution uh, in our careers. <laughs> Go, how did I get to here? <laughs> how, how, how did this happen? How and did this I blame happen it, to me? <laughs> I blame it all on that man, Stephen Todd. It's true. I think we both feel that way sometimes about uh, that, but I'm better for it for sure now, mm. uh, now that I've leaned into it. Without a doubt. Yeah, I sure have a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, um, fun when is I, fun, you know? When I, <laughs> when I stop taking myself so seriously. Gosh, that's so true. Uh, uh, and I need to like still be reminded of that this year, like more than ever. Like we're gonna go back in time out. now, and you're gonna tell us about that super serious musician and um, how you started your career and all of that, because I think that your arc to show choir success is something that a lot of serious musicians need to hear. And I say serious mm -hmm. musicians with a grain of salt, because again, we all think we're very serious musicians, but I mean, who is a serious musician really? Let's define that. But um, right. you know. There's, I have a lot of, where I live in Texas, especially, I think there are a lot of directors still where you live in Iowa and places like that where, um, you know, show choir can be seen as um, just the thing that is, that it, like you said, it's just goofy or it's not to be admired or it's not serious music. Um, and yet, every time I see your group, it's serious music every time mm -hmm. I see them. Every time I see, um, you know, Trent's kids over at Linmar or Ankeny, yeah. you know, those are, those yeah. are the big Iowa powerhouses that are not just amazing show choirs um, there's plenty of theirs but those three come to mind off the top of my head but they're not just good show choirs you guys have incredible choral departments as a whole so I think that's a huge part of what I I would love for you to expound upon today but let's go back to the beginning as far back to the beginning as you want to go <laughs> if you need to start in diapers that's fine um but you know when did you basically decide this is this is the career path I want to go on or at least music was a career path you wanted to go on I'm glad you gave me a heads up, like before we started recording, that this question was coming. Just because I think a lot of times, I uh, like in job interviews and stuff, yeah. I I forget to mention. Not that I've interviewed for a job recently, but <laughs> right. like I um, I forget to mention my experience singing in elementary school. Yeah, um, I had I had a brilliant elementary school music teacher. Her name was Willa Holger, mm -hmm. who was just so positive and like you know, we talked about leaning into the novelty number. Yes. She saw in our tiny little 16 kid Catholic school class. Um, she saw like that there were uh, really passionate performers there yeah. and like created goofy routines at our concerts. I remember like doing some sort of greased lightning. Uh, routine. Sure. At elementary um, Catholic school. Just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, which also performed in the sanctuary of our church, which is pretty amazing. Um, Very approved. Like, oh my gosh. I remember like a cardboard car. Wow. I mean, of, she went just, for it. I don't know. Anyway, so she was great. Uh, I forgot to ask, are you from Des Moines originally, that area? I'm from Ames. Ames. Okay. Okay. So I, I went to Iowa State okay. from my undergrad. And okay. So yeah, Ames was kind of is is home base for me sure uh, but like my biggest early musical experience that was so huge in my life was singing in the ames children's chorus with sylvia oh, munson yeah she was the music she was the, the music ed prof at iowa state mm -hmm. who like 
So she, <laughs> I had her as a choir director yeah. as a third grader. Yeah. And then she was my college music guy. I was going to ask, was she still there when you got to college? She, she was, yeah. She was nearing sort of the end of her tenure at Iowa That's State. That's cool, like, though. Um, what a weird experience. An amaz- oh, just an amazing, um, as an amazing uh, educator. Yeah. Uh, both of young children, mm-hmm. but also of future educators. Because like, that's, that's, I mean, that's what I was going to say. That's incredible. I don't know about you, but I mean, like high school is firmly where I belong. Like yeah. I, I, I don't possess the, uh, yeah. whatever you call it for the elementary age. So for her to be able to run the gamut like that. Yeah. That's a real educator for sure. Oh my goodness. Yeah. She was brilliant. Um, I remember like, of course we sang like the classic J.S. Bach, Bis du bei mir. Sure. Uh, that kind of, of stuff. But also we would like, I remember ending our concerts with with some sort of choreographed routine. Mm-hmm. And the one that sticks in my memory is like an Irving Berlin set from World War One. Oh. Like, like good, goodbye Broadway, hello France. And like Alexander's Ragtime Band and all this stuff. And I always tell the students like it's laughable that I am, directing a varsity show choir because i have no show choir experience like, oh but you do. high school did not but <laughs> as i think about it like there is kind of a little bit of that of that yes. young children's choir show choir stuff mm-hmm. and uh yeah just you're that, so that right about that it's it, i think i hear oh well so many people say I don't have any experience in this. I didn't do it in high school or it intimidates them. Chokwar intimidates them because they don't feel like they know anything about it. But so often, if we dig back into our history of serious musicianship, there were plenty of those elements yeah. present. We've chosen to either forget them or just kind of not see their value and how mm-hmm. that they relate to this. You know, movement is an important part of music learning, I've come to realize over the last, you know, some years of doing this, you know, and it's like every year that goes by, the movement aspect gets more important to me. I don't necessarily Hugely. mean choreo. I just mean Hugely. the movement. I, yes. Yes. And I, yes, like, uh, especially in the serious choirs doing mm-hmm. the serious music, I mean, the amount, and I, <laughs> I still sort of like, under my breath, call it hippie nonsense. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) All the movement stuff. But without a doubt, we sing better. We sing more uh, organically um, and more artistically if we're moving in some way when we sing. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, the amazing Dina Else always talks about how singing is sensation. Yes. And it's so hard. Like, it's hard for me in my... Uh, vast experience, age. Uh, I love how we're hiding that from ourselves. Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> it's so hard to. Uh, it, it's it's so hard for me to understand what's going on with my body, let alone like a teenager. Yeah, who's just growing into their mm-hmm. voice. It's a high so, level of vulnerability there, like allowing yourself to be seen in a movement yeah. capacity at that age when you're trying to figure out just how your body even exists because, you know, yeah. you grew 14 inches over the summer. Mm-hmm. I would also say, and again, I have no formal research backing me up on this. This is just my own thoughts on this, but um, I really should do some sort of research on this for postgraduate work. But like, it seems wholly unnatural to me that movement or that singing should be separated from movement the longer I do this. Um, And it's interesting that we grew up certainly in a time um, when like the standing very still on the choral risers in the robes 
like singing it the most perfectly way possible you know like that perfection was was the way to go like there was no room for it wasn't that it wasn't artistic there was artistry the artistry came through the perfection and certainly perfection was easier to control if they weren't also moving all around you know and I think that a lot of that comes from that that at least people our age and maybe a little older and a little younger who are teachers now are realizing well there's room for movement and it's okay. And sometimes some of the greatest emotional moments and artistic moments come when things don't go literally perfectly. Um, you know, you and I've talked just very little and I'd love to talk more about it someday, but like you had an experience you guys did. Um, you did national ACDA, right? Two yeah. years ago. Yeah, 2019, 2019. Um, yeah. And I would wager without having had this conversation with you prior that some things did not go the way you had specifically planned them to go, right? <laughs> because yeah. that's the world. Um, yeah. But I doubt that it was any less special. I doubt that there are, mm-hmm. you don't look it back on that and just look at the, you know, thing that didn't go the way you thought it was going to mm-hmm. and be like, well, this was ruined. You've ruined me, kids. Like, no, right. that's nuts. Right. Did you have any movement in that um in that We sense? did, actually, yes. And, you know, it's funny you talk about, like, standing pencil still on a stage and singing uh because now that seems to be what like my students want to default to Mm -hmm. because they they feel like that's what it needs to be yeah and I find myself singing that's serious music right I don't know I mean (laughs) I find myself begging them just to release their bodies Mm -hmm. to understand that their shoulders are part of the communicative uh, apparatus that mm-hmm. they have that that it's okay to shift your weight yes. from, from foot to foot um, and so it's just helping them understand that that they can be free mm-hmm. and they don't have to be chained to some sort of um, some sort of ideal so yeah we did in that set we did you know we I really encourage the students to to release their bodies and, and mm-hmm. move with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there was, we did the uh, Craig Hella Johnson arrangement of uh, light of a clear blue morning. Yes. And we had just some really uh, very, very chill. I mean, I wouldn't even call it choreography. I'd call it like staging. Mm-hmm. Um, w- there's like a, an ostinato moment where all these different mm-hmm. voice parts sort, sort of, uh, repeat the same section over and over near mm-hmm, the end yep. of the piece it builds to a climactic moment and you know we just had the students sort of walk forward out of the formation and and look at the sky mm-hmm. at the clear blue morning mm-hmm. so um and it, for me actually like I'm so glad and this was one of the moments that wasn't perfect either yeah. but it was a moment when um I just I chose to get out of the way and let yes. the students take the stage and for them to own the, to, for them to own the entire experience, uh, and and so I just walked upstage, and they came downstage, and then they, you know, they cut off and released together and started together the final few phrases, and you know it wasn't, it was pretty, it was pretty close, yeah. Um, but you can hear you can hear so, some raggedness on a couple, on a couple entrances or releases, but um, it was, you know, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you were giving because them the we were, moment they were in yeah. it together. That's I mean, it. that yes. feels so much more important to me than look, this was the perfect cutoff because my hand showed you where it goes. I mean, yeah. there's a time and a place and that's important. I'm not saying it's not, but you know, like 
it can't be the only thing. It can't be the most important thing. And well, right. And uh, for me, for me, it was about trust and it was about partnership in that, you know, we, we, and the, you know, the previous legacy of students before those kids on the stage who Mm -hmm. were on the recordings that got us there Mm, and and who, who built the program, who took the program from Steve Wooden, who had already built it into this thing. And then who, who worked to build it further. Um, it was the moment to show that, uh, it's never one person, right? Um, it's about trust between all of us. And it's about, uh, you know, in that moment, like, thank you for getting us to this point. And now here's your moment, moment to take the reins and make yeah. it all happen. Yeah. I, do you have a recording of, uh, like a <clears throat> visual recording of it? Is it on YouTube somewhere? I feel like it is. Yeah. Okay. The, the set is on YouTube. Okay. I'm going to yep. link it in the bio here so people can go yeah. take a look. Cause I've seen the version you're talking about the, um, I've got, I've seen that and what you're talking about, like, um, I remember watching that feeling, feeling like it felt so organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, I think you said the word choreography and I'm just going to take a second to stand on my soapbox and talk about how much I hate that word because it has such a I'm negative sorry. connotation. Yeah. Um, not, I'm not mad at you for using it. It is what yeah. people say, but like it's, it's just a further dumbing down mm-hmm. of movement in a yeah. choral setting. It's like, how dumb can we make movement sound? I know choreography, <laughs> like really guys, yeah. it's not that bad. Like you can right, just, right, right. um, but you know, I think also during that same national conference, the Aeolians had their, you know, performance oh, that literally I yes. think the entire choral world just went, Oh my gosh, our whole lives have been changed. And if you right. haven't seen or listened to that, I will link that here as well because you yeah. should friends. It's really important. Um, but like, the, the level of, if we're just, just talking about movement, the level of movement that exists even in their performance, again, it's so organic. It makes so <laughs> much sense. It's clearly not meant to be cheesy, not meant to, you know, like this was them in the music, feeling the music and creating artistry inside of that music with movement, you know. So um, I'm glad that you have come to that place in your teaching career, too. I wish all directors would come to that place. Um, and I think that as a society of, of musicians, we're starting to swing more that direction, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, it's a different it's a different time in music. We have a different understanding of it than we did, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Because um, I think the choral classrooms you and I were in in high school were byproducts of still the very 1950s, 1960s, you know, um, Robert Shawness, which is not, again, nothing sure. is wrong with that, but that was right, that was right. a very specific time in the world, and choral music is very different now. Um, contemporary composers, contemporary arrangements, and things like that are very different than that. So we need to change with that, and, and you know, show choir can actually be, like, a little best buddy to that. You can kind Without of a doubt. help teach yeah. kids what they need to know. I mean, do you feel like studio feeds those sorts of things in your own concert like what kinds of things do you see come out of your show choir that you can draw mm-hmm. directly over into your concert choir work or that's helpful? It, it's just it's this constant feedback feedback loop between between both kinds of ensembles mm-hmm. actually last night at our first in-person rehearsal in mm-hmm. a month and a half yeah I I mean so we're in a we're in what's called the hybrid model for our day-to-day school when we're in person so we have half the students every other day okay so the first time that our curricular choirs were ever all together was when we went online. Oh. On Zoom. Oh, weird. Right. So um, what we were 
we were working vocals last night as our dance captains um, and uh, the amazing James Walters, mm-hmm. uh, one of our assistant directors, were putting together the blocking. And we had a conversation about, you know, you have had 40% of the typical time you've had in a normal school year yes. in curricular choir. Mm-hmm. And that is affecting how we're singing. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little different. <laughs> and so, right. So a lot of the issues we're having tonight are not your fault, but they are your problem because because they just haven't, uh, you know, we haven't had the time yeah. to develop that skill mm-hmm. in the curricular mm-hmm. choir. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in terms of the other way, I think one of the easiest things to talk about is just how students learn to be um, hyper-expressive with their mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, this might be an Edie Copley uh, quote, I know it's on a, a sheet of quotes where she is mentioned frequently, but it's something like, there's nothing more tragic than the look of indifference on the face of a singer. Ooh. <laughs> and yeah, that's not my original material. I know, but I'm definitely going to find out who to attribute that to. And yes. Make and I, I mean, I can, I can certainly send you the, the, the quote. Um, and it's, you know, the thing is that, uh, we teach an elective. Our kids are choosing to be there. And and yet, uh, a lot of us don't understand how much work it is to be expressive with our faces. Yeah. And so I think we, uh, just helping students understand the full mm-hmm. range of like muscular structure mm-hmm. in our face uh, and, and learning to use that as we sing. Yes. Um, we talk about focus face a lot. Yeah. Which is, you know, oh my gosh, I have to execute this choreography perfectly on the correct count. Yeah. Uh, first of all, no, you don't. Um, <laughs> that's the big secret. That is uh, the secret. Don't tell them. No, I'm just kidding. We can talk about that freely. Right. But, uh, but also like, you know, that just let go and, uh, and allow your face to get some of the some of the energy that you're giving to the rest of your body. Well, like 80% accurate choreography with 100% expression mm. is better choreo Gosh, by a I lot than... That. Right, because then the students are dancing. Yeah, they're not Exactly. They're not doing We've stopped doing choreography at that point. Yeah. It's the expression that makes the moment for the audience, for the judges, for yourself while you're on stage. And once they come to that, they get it. And you never have to explain it again. But getting them to that is like... Ugh, you feel like you're just dragging them, kicking and screaming. And not... I don't... You know, see, I haven't... I don't have a choir of my own right now during this time, which you know, is sad. And also with all the things that you're saying right now, I'm a little bit like, okay, this was a good time to take some time to run my business. (laughs) But like, (laughs) but, you know, I have to laugh at the fact that I think, and you can tell me whether this has ever entered your conversation as teaching, but TikTok, I feel like was maybe helpful because TikTok isn't singing. They're always lip syncing when they're dancing, when they're doing those dances. So they're reliant on expression and yes. the movement to tell the story and to like make it good, right? Yeah. And so I'm super curious to be back in a classroom with choir kids at some point here and go, 
has that changed everyone's performance at all? Does everyone look like they're in a TikTok video now? Or <laughs> just like, because they're That's spending so much time on that. So just research that for me and get back to me. And let okay. me know. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. Let me know if the kids feel like that's changed their lives at all. Well, okay, so you graduated from Iowa State. Yep. And where did you teach prior to being at Urbandale? So I started as a, a .6, so like a full-time teacher is 1.0. Ah, uh, the Midwest. <laughs> yes. So I started as a .6 choir director at Johnston High School. Okay, so okay. literally like three miles north of where but I But I was going right to say now. a big school at least. You were starting. Oh, in, yeah. It was yeah. a big school. Mm -hmm. And um, I, uh, if you know the name Sarah Van Wardhuizen. Yes. Uh, she is a music ed prophet central now. Mm -hmm. She and I both came in at Johnston. Uh, she was leading the program and I was her assistant. Okay. Uh, I want to say this was 2007. Okay. And um, we took over from a, a dynamic duo who just built this amazing program there, right. uh, Jody White and Wendy Haight. And so Sarah was taking over for Jody. I was taking over for Wendy. Um, I mean, I was a first year teacher. Right. Had literally no idea what I was doing. As none and, of us do. <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, so, you know, that was, these were beloved um, figures in the community mm -hmm. who had established a really. Those are big uh, shoes to step into. Successful program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's kind of where things got started. Um, I, I guess I had the option between taking a full-time job in a smaller, more mm -hmm. rural district and a part-time job in a bigger city environment. And right. I guess we decided, uh, Elise and I, um, this is my wife, mm -hmm. uh, we decided that it would be, we just kind of wanted to be more in that city environment yeah. oh, for yeah. us. Mm -hmm. I get that. And the potential for those jobs to grow. Uh, and actually the next year I ended up becoming full-time, but that was because I was a 0. 0.6 choir director and a 0. 0.4 band director. Oh, bless you. Oh. So I, it was really something. Um, I Were you actually straight... a 0. 0.4 of a band director? Like that was me. Um, it was 0. 0.4 worth of band. <laughs> well, it, uh, my, uh, my teaching partner, Pat Carney, who's been a huge influence in my life. He, he was the head band director there. Um, mm -hmm. He did a really good job of sort of protecting me and making sure that I wasn't being overworked. Did you play instruments? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I was a huge band person. Okay. Okay. Um, so at least I'm, you were in band prior to being yeah, I'm not super qualified to be a band director. I mean, I, I totally think they are different. Yes, they yes, are different. They are, apparently they are. Yeah. The state does not ever seem to think so. They were like, sir, certify you willy nilly and whatever you'd like. Does it say music? Yeah. Sure. And I'm like, you guys, I have no business in front of a band and they're like but sure here's your stamp click I'm yeah, like oh, exactly. okay <laughs> right so i mean i i did my best um and it was really something going straight from marching band season into show oh, choir season yeah mm -hmm. it was I a imagine. lot mm -hmm. it was a lot uh but i think i'm a better <laughs> i i i know for certain it's made me better working with instrumentalists yeah like that yeah. experience in in what instrumentalists need um it does always sort of sort of amaze me how long it takes them to get their instruments ready to go. Like I'm still still I'm not clear still, on what that all is. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I, so uh, we're still learning. Yeah, yes. We're still getting <laughs> That's amazing. But I'll bet it did. I'll bet that really because you do your own band, you conduct your own band, correct? I used to. Okay. I have, you I did have at one point, right? That now to the amazing James Walters. Oh, so look at you having I'm your living own the dream. Character. 
I'm living was it the really dream a dream of- though, or did you stress about that? Because I'll be honest, the first years I didn't direct them, I was like, I just need to be waving my hands a little. I felt like maybe you're not the control yeah. freak I am, but I struggled with that. No, yes, I. But I always also felt like if I was if I was back with a band, I wasn't able to take in the the general overall effect. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, as the... You're right. It's always that trade-off, for sure. Yeah. The buck stops with me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I am the director of the ensemble. Totally. And if I, if I cannot objectively assess what the audience is experiencing, yeah. then what... How are you doing your what, job? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what credibility do I have to be giving feedback? You know what I mean? So, I always love the start the band and run to the audience. Like, that right. was, like, there's yes. so much of that. So, you're right. It is, it is a great situation if you can get that set up for yourself okay so after johnston you went directly to urbandale or you made a pit stop somewhere no that was it yeah um steve wouldn't retired i want to say after 27 years yeah it sounds yeah at urbandale uh and as a 26 year old 25 year old i was interviewing for that job and uh um yeah (laughs) <laughs> Do you ever look back at the people who hired you and you're like, I don't know what you were doing, but thank you? Like, <laughs> Oh, definitely. Yeah. You're like, thank and you I for just... this opportunity. I don't know that I would have hired me at 25. Me, I don't I mean, you I would have hired at 25, but me not so much. So, <laughs> I, I still picture like sitting at that conference room table. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess I still, I know I would do a better job interviewing today Well, yeah. than I did 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still feel pretty good about, like, philosophically yeah. what I talked about and, like, where we are now. I still – I feel like I've made good on what I said I yeah. was going to set out to do. So um, – and what's cool is a lot of those same families that were part of the interview yeah. are still connected to the program. That is very cool, yeah. So, I mean, we have – and I'm sure you have you've had families like this in your career too, but mm-hmm. um, you know, four or five, six children families. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like their last kid maybe has even just gone through the program, and, and yet there's yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, geez, I mean, our costume, our costume mom Elaine, I think her last kid graduated in like 2016. Yeah, and you're like, oh, you can stop if you want, and she's like, no, I'm staying, right? <laughs> It's really special, and I, I I love that that's a thing at Urbandale, but I also love that that's a thing in our art form. Is yes. like clearly uh, what we are doing in this crazy, like world mm-hmm. of high school music is it's having some sort of positive effect yeah, on people. Yeah, doing something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I just I, I'm thinking of so many kids right now where I had the whole sibling gamut or most of mm-hmm. them and Mitchell's costume mom is actually exactly the same as what you're talking about. Her last kid graduated in 2018. Um yeah. and she is 17. She is still like like no, I'm here as long as you want me and like that's something really special for sure. Without that, a doubt. That, that's how you yeah. know something you're doing is sort of going well if somebody wants yeah. to hang on that long yep. with you um okay so once you got now you've been at urbandale like you said for 11 years now so you kind of you know have gotten yourself established there you're you've always worked in iowa so you know a lot about iowa as far as a uh, uh, coral state anyway but if you had to tell us maybe the top two or three things if we were moving to iowa for a coral job 
What are some things you feel like are special about Iowa or unique about Iowa, the way you do things? Or is there some part of the structure that has always been weird to you and maybe is just (laughs) you would change if you could, but you can't? (laughs) Like just unique things about Iowa. I mean, I know from the outside, we all know that it is a very corally dominant state. Like that's, I mean, if you teach choir in America, you know, Iowa has good choirs. Like that's a, that's just kind of a known whether you're from there or not. And I don't know that you know that because you're from there, but that's something we're all aware of. We're also all aware that you have a very giant all-state choir. Yeah. So uh, that's really interesting to hear you talk about sort of the perception from the outside Mm -hmm. and, you know, working here and like, I think back to the college years and going through teacher ed, we would be told that, you know, the, the choral tradition in our state is rich. Mm-hmm. And I just think when you're a product of it and you grow up in it, maybe. You don't see it. I, it's, yeah, I, I think it's, and what I've heard from like colleagues and friends um, who have directed here and then maybe gone on to mm-hmm. get their doctorate or mm-hmm. gone to different states is then they talk about sort of missing that, mm-hmm. that, that rich tradition. So I guess I take their word for it. Um, I feel really fortunate that, uh, like the peer programs we're surrounded by really prioritize the curricular choir situation as the foundation, the bedrock of the program. Mm -hmm. And as you think through, you know, some of the programs you've already mentioned Mm -hmm. uh, earlier in the, in the interview. Oh, I could name like 20. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. So there's this, uh, I, I personally really like that that at the foundation of every program is the curricular choir. Yep. And then, and then the, you know, show choir is an extra, Mm -hmm. it's an extra added benefit of this foundation of the program. We do have a giant all state. It's 600 voices like, um, singing in the Iowa all state choir for me was like the moment where I think I thought about being a teacher. Yeah. A music teacher, a high school choir director, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like, I think it was the year 2000 um, under Bill Hatcher from the University of Iowa. And we were singing, we were singing Brahms' Nina. It was like a 10 to 12 minute, just monster of a piece that you would never do. I mean, (laughs) I would would never, ever, ever do that with, with our top choir, even at Urbandale, who, Mm -hmm. who performs at a pretty high level. And I just like being exposed to that kind of music and singing in Stevens auditorium at Iowa state, which is just this massive monolith of, of a amazing concert hall in our state. Um, I don't know. That was a a life-changing moment for me. And I've, I've recently become a little bit more cynical about the Iowa all state choir, just because Mm -hmm. it's um, the process, the audition process is not equal for everyone based on where you are um, in the state geographically, but that's okay too, because like you're seated in quartets in this 600 voice choir, Mm -hmm. mixed voicing. And I remember sitting next to somebody from a 4A school on a different side of, from a different part of the state. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then on my left was like a baritone from a 2A school who had had a totally different choral experience than I had had at Ames. And so, like, there's absolutely benefit to that. Um, and while uh, while the audition process is not 
necessarily equal Mm -hmm. for everybody um, in terms of selectiveness around the state. Like, and while we tend to audition in one of the more competitive districts, that forces us to, that forces us to be better. Right. Yeah. Um, That forces us to push. And then also as a teacher, it's a great chance for me to remind our students like about the healthy balance between competitiveness, uh, discipline and rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And then also like, if you've pushed yourself and worked to the extent that you are capable, Mm -hmm. um, it's okay to be satisfied with where you're at. Yes, yes, yes. And you guys have a situation where you are placing them in quartets yeah so the audition process correct okay yeah so we as the directors uh can send up to 28 students okay so seven on a voice and that's of course based on how big your school is or how big your department is i would assume well any but any school can send that many oh that is different okay okay so uh so you know we have to go through that own sort of so that is also different for you because you probably have more kids that are interested in the process because it's a larger department Yes, smaller yeah. schools that sure 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 yeah mm-hmm. and i mean but even then amongst the 4a schools in in the des moines area for mm-hmm. example uh there will be programs that have 50 kids interested whereas right. we are you know we're one of the smaller 4a schools mm-hmm. so we're lucky if we get the 28 the, the you full know, number. Just, yeah, yeah yeah and is it so, multiple auditions or just the one audition just one one audition. One audition, and it's in yeah. the fall for you. The audition. It is, yeah. Okay. It's in October. Okay. Yeah, and then the event is in November, which, you know, sadly this year wasn't able to take place. And it runs um, concurrently to IMEA, I would assume. It does. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so that you know, it is kind of a cool. It's and this would go into like one of the things I really like about teaching in Iowa that I feel mm-hmm. is is special is you know we have this one event where. Yeah. All the music educators, instrumental and choral, uh, converge yeah. upon the center of the state. And it's, it's a, you know, it definitely felt like a, a, a gap, a hole was, was, uh, yeah, it was missing. Was there this year, year without it yeah. happening. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. thanks for putting, mm-hmm. I was struggling to put words to that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird year for all reasons. And <laughs> I, yeah. Like, how do you explain like, Hey, I'm used to going to see my friends and have my kids have this experience in October every year. Like your year feels weird without those sorts of benchmarks. So yeah, we just, I feel like we have this great community, Mm -hmm. great camaraderie amongst directors. There certainly is some competitiveness Mm -hmm. uh, just with the nature of like the show choir situation because not everybody's on that page not everybody certainly not to exist yes Mm -hmm. right 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 um but i think at the core we and i i've really seen this now with each passing year and part of that too may just because may just be because i'm getting more connected with my colleagues right um i i just really feel like we have a great community Mm -hmm. and directors care first and foremost about their kids but also their relationships with one another and i don't um i don't i can't say i've ever been in a situation where i have i i feel like i've been forced to choose between or or like a director was like forcing me to choose Right. between my friendship with them and like something philosophically i believe thank goodness for that (laughs) yeah 
So there are people like that. So I'm glad you haven't run into that. Um, yeah, I just I feel really fortunate for that. People just seem to want to help each other out. Also, you're really likable, Ted. I don't know if you know that or if anybody's <laughs> ever said that to you, but it may just be your own <laughs> experience because people like you. But I mean, life's just too short. Like, why? Uh, I don't know. No, I like... fully am team life is too short. Just get over your own self. Um, but some of that comes with the taking mu- music seriously component that we right. talked about earlier. And yes. it, and that is not to say, and I know, I don't think anybody's hearing you saying that and assuming you don't take it seriously. I don't want anybody to believe that I don't take it seriously, but mm. um. But I will say, from my own personal experience, in Texas, which is also a coral, a coral state. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it it Our is house. polarizing here as well. That you know, show choirs, pop choirs, acapellas, you know, all that kind of stuff, versus traditional concert choir. Um, there was a a large component of my early career here where I really felt um, like I was not taken seriously. Mm. In any capacity as a musician, because I really advocated for this art form, um, you know, which also was a weird situation where and you may find yourself in this. This is why I bring this up, because I was doing show choir. They didn't really know a lot of people who were doing competitive show choir and in state. There was like nobody until I was doing it. And mm. so people kind of forced that on me, that identity on me. Like, you're the show choir person. Oh, okay. I'm the show choir person. And then it was like, oh, you're the show choir person. You're like, but I'm, I'm not just <laughs> yeah. the show choir. Like, there was this yeah. double-edged swordness of, like, you're the person we come to when we have questions. You're the person we're coming to ask for help. But also, we don't take you seriously at all. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know that you walk that balance at all in your state. Because, again, I think show choir is more prevalent there in general. But, mm-hmm. um, but that does exist in places in the country where, you know, like... It, it really is looked upon as this really frivolous thing that doesn't need to exist in some places. I'm really glad you brought that up. I think one thing that ACDA is doing a really good job of is starting to uh, include yes. and validate um, what show choir is. I mean, the inclusion of um, the inclusion of a featured show choir performance yes at the national convention in 2019 i think that was the first time that's happened i did too yeah mm-hmm. i think that's a huge deal um and you know we've had great programs like uh sioux falls roosevelt mm-hmm. being included mm-hmm. um in 2019 and then um the sioux city east headliners yeah. mm-hmm. uh for this year's conference i mean i think i think that's massive yeah um because that is our professional organization saying like this is this is worthwhile. Yes, and I was so um, I was so encouraged with the uh, like with the the audience support um, in Kansas City. Yes, two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I thought I was I thought uh, Roosevelt had a great turnout, mm-hmm. um, supportive, enthusiastic, and yeah. I think it's fun. And I I I'm pretty sure ACDA maybe this summer sent out like a, a diversity and inclusion survey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of in the social uh, justice climate we are living in, yes. thankfully, and the, mm-hmm. you know, this uh, really sort of exciting uh, push for change mm-hmm. uh, that's going on in our country right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our organization being aware of the fact that maybe not every genre of choral music has been treated the same um, yes. and, and maybe being, you know, creating awareness and also asking for feedback about how we can continue to do that. I just remember filling out my survey 
uh, saying like, you know, those first steps of just creating a platform for these, for this kind of music mm -hmm. uh, at the national level to be uh, featured is really, I think it's huge. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's exciting to see. I'm incredibly grateful that you brought that up because that is something that, uh, if you haven't listened to Mark Meyer's podcast episode, I mean, I'm not, I'm saying that to you, but I'm saying that to the general population mm -hmm, of listening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everyone needs to go listen to that because he brings up some excellent points about that. Marcus, uh, his doctor at work was in a, a lot of that type of um, study of different types of, of music, uh, choral music specifically and things like that. But um, he tells, he talks a lot about students he's had over the years who have struggled to find a path to music <clears throat> professionalism because their background is not standard Western European art song. And, you know, that's not like what they grew up learning or what they grew up learning, uh, grew up singing and things like that. And, and how we as an academic music community shut the door on people who do not have that background. Um, you were probably lucky enough, just like I was lucky enough to, um, and I say lucky in the, in the context of like us wanting to go and be music educators. Did you have a voice teacher in high school? Did you sing out of 24 <laughs> Italian? Did you like, yeah, right. Yeah, so like right. you had that, I had that, you know, I knew what a Shermer book was before I got to college, sure. which was become, it would become like the expectation of, of mm. that's the path to becoming a music educator is learning all of these things, these traditional, you know, art music and whatever, not that it's bad, not that it doesn't have a place. I'm not saying that, but we have a responsibility to, um, young musicians and people looking to become musicians to open those doors wider and to say music is all of these things. Choral music is all of these genres. It is not just this tiny little corner over here that was, again, traditionally what American choral music looked like for in the last century. Um, and, yeah. And how do we advance the agenda of equity and inclusion? Yes. It's through it's through our programming. Yes, absolutely. And. And us, exactly, us through our programming. I'm saying that, like, yes. you and I have a responsibility right. to the choose. educators. Um, yeah. And to go, you know what, I don't know a lot about that genre. I need to research mm -hmm. more. Or I, you know, if I named the, if I named the composers off the top of my head that came to my mind, um, just even contemporary ones, you know, they are going to be 90% white men. Like, they Absolutely. just aren't. And yeah. that's... And that is indicative of the fact that that is what we are programming. It's not because that's who the composers are. That's what people are buying. So mm -hmm. we have owned that responsibility as directors to step outside of that and look outside of our tunnel, tunnel vision of the filter on JW Pepper that says <laughs> new. <laughs> and like, oh, I guess I'm choosing that, you know. Um, so there's my little soapbox about that for today. But I think that it's important that, you know, we bring that up because – Show choir, while it may not seem like falls under that um, um, disadvantaged type of category, um, it is. We're taking, mm -hmm. you know, pop music and its roots and a lot of that style of music comes from not necessarily, uh, it comes from a lot of people of color and a lot of, of, of those types of backgrounds. And so we're being slanderous against it. Why? You know, and when we go to perform it and when we go to compete with it and you have a judge go, well, I don't think the vowels are tall enough. And you're like, ma'am, have you ever heard the original? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's yes. inappropriate for us yes. to place all, yeah. our Midwestern choral 1950s sound over the top of these genres. It's not appropriate. Sorry. That was a whole stream of thought. I haven't done no, a podcast since all of I that happened. <laughs> 
and I will just I will just add as directors. This is one of my like personal uh, philosophies. You know, we talked about removing barriers. Yes. Um, what are we doing to remove like barriers of cost? Yes. So that every single family, uh, every single student in our district is able to participate yes. without feeling a burden of paying some sort of massive fee. And I mean, I'm that I'm just going to go there because mm-hmm. you should. We, I, I just. Our, the population of our district is changing, mm-hmm. and we we need to be aware of that, and we need to plan ahead for that. Mm-hmm. And I dream I dream of a day when there is no fee. Yeah, wouldn't that be participate. nice? Mm-hmm. And so that, and I think we're really fortunate uh, to have a great event that lots of people want to come and support right. and be a part of. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, someday we may get there. Not everybody has that luxury. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, what can we still sing and dance and create an entertaining show that adds beauty to the universe um, and meaning to kids' lives? Mm-hmm. Well, and our audiences' lives. Mm-hmm. Can we do that um, without charging an arm and a leg? Do you wonder? And th- I've thought about this a lot during this COVID time. Do you wonder if the shaking up of the way we've had to do things this year will maybe help facilitate some of those changes going forward and that maybe we should be having those conversations more now like we've taken away you said you didn't have a costume change this year i'm not advocating for removing costume changes that's not where i'm going with this i just mean you've done some with less than what you would normally do this year Mm -hmm. um you know i think it's a good time for us as a as a world of show choir to reevaluate what we've been doing and whether all of it is necessary um, and what can maybe be altered. You know, is there anything moving forward that you are already like, you don't have to tell us what, but have you hit any things that you're already like, yeah, I think we're going to do that differently from now on. That's maybe been changed for you because of this. Uh, it's hard to talk in specifics right now, just right. because we're still yes. so in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, good teach. I always heard that good teachers steal and That's I true. steal all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I read in an, in an email newsletter, I think from ACDA, one of our national leadership figures said something like, if we go through this experience without taking the opportunity to transform ourselves, it will have been a massive waste. Absolutely. And boy, that hits hard because, Mm -hmm. and I have to remind myself of that because, uh, we, we do get so caught up in the, the way things were. Yes. And trying to get back to that so desperately, but what are we getting back to? Do we need all of that? Right. So my hope is maybe there's, you know, one of the advantages of the situation we're in has been more time with my family. Mm -hmm. It's been not living in school. Yeah. So is there a way that, uh, is there a way to attain more work-life balance? Um, I know that our students have, uh, learned choreography pretty successfully yeah. and accurately via YouTube mm-hmm. and via Zoom. Mm-hmm. And nothing, we just talked about this last night, nothing replaces the experience of having Stephen Todd come and be part sure. of your environment. Like, man, yeah. the weekends when he would come and work with us were huge morale mm-hmm. boosts. It's an energy. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I don't, I'm certainly not wishing that away, but I think there's... I definitely think there's a road to taking the best parts of how we've had to survive this year Mm -hmm. and using them going forward. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that's going to look like for 2021. But you're but open there will, to that. Yes. There will be, oh yeah, we're not, there will be elements of that without a doubt. I think that's crucially important. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because people will yeah. watch programs like yours and see that and then they will take that on their own. I mean, that's part of the responsibility of being in a very visible um, department as you are mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. neck of the woods kind of thing. So um, before I get to the last questions that everybody has to answer, I do need to get to kind of what I want to talk to you about, about with rehearsals. Um, you know, I talked to you before I said, one of the things I think about most often when I think about y- your kids and their performances is the details. Um, I think you guys do detail work better than anybody I know off the top of my head that I can think of. And that just means that it, it's not about it looking absolutely perfect. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, it appears that everything has been thought of and it appears that like, you know, we worked through this and this is where we're at with it kind of a, of a vibe. I never worry when I watch your kids. I never feel like, okay, this doesn't look like it's set in stone yet, or this doesn't look comfortable yet. You know, none of that ever happens. Can you talk a little bit about if a, you feel that way on your end and B what your rehearsal process may be like that facilitates that vibe for those kids? I've never heard, like I've never had anybody ask me about that or talk about sort of that magnifying glass, that detail. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but as, it's you accurate, just, <laughs> as, as you were sort of describing that, it's like, oh man, yeah, I think that's kind of how I live. Because and... you have to think about the opposite. Like I come to that for you because I think of other groups. Think about other yeah. groups you watch. And I don't mean that in a slanderous way, but have right, you seen right. groups where you're like, oh, bless we could have clearly that part hasn't been worked on or you know you know we didn't troubleshoot that very well or whatever i'm like making my judge tape or like preparing my critique notes and i'm talking into my tape recorder uh (laughs) it's like every um i find myself so hyper focused on like the detail of a musical phrase yep so i that (laughs) and then I always try at the end of a performance to like give sort of like my big three takeaways right yep but a lot of times (laughs) my big three end up being just like three small little minor details in different things but they can make a big difference (laughs) well I mean I think so and I think if at least for me there are so many opportunities for copy paste yes. in the things I talk about. Uh-huh. And so, and, and as a director, like when we get feedback, one of the things I really appreciate is give me something concrete yeah. Yeah. that I can, that we can change. Implement. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Please do not speak in generalities of what we need to do better because that I just, how? Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So, so please like, in our 15 minute critique, let's actually work something. Yes. A con- like one specific instant instance of a concept that, uh, that you would like us to change. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then we can copy paste it later. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like last night, I keep going back to last night and obviously no, it's great it's that like, you have a rehearsal to pull from. <laughs> oh, well, it's just, I, I think that was such like a huge, uh, influential moment mm-hmm. in this year's experience because like sure. we got we got to see each other face to face for the yeah. first time in 45 days mm-hmm. um, every musical phrase is trying to convey a message yes and sometimes they're even like we talk about many phrases within a larger sentence musical yes. sentence and so 
what and this is influ- you know none of this is original Ted Brimmeyer ideas like this is like John Burlace coming in yes. to work with the kids and just like blowing my mind mm-hmm. about things and then yep. me just going off the deep end mm-hmm. with it because mm-hmm. it ma- I think it makes a difference yep so what like for example what is the most important word in the in this first phrase of the song mm-hmm. you know what are we trying to convey and then what is our emotional journey within that phrase mm-hmm. we're not just going to sing the opener with face x yeah it doesn't like, make sense we are storytelling on the stage yes and so how do we you know what sort of choices are we are we making mm-hmm. and are we all making the same choice or do we as the 62 individuals in studio get to tell the story in our own different way yes. and th- and that may change and evolve so um and it's all a balance. You know, I've heard stories of uh, like the show choir old guard who mm-hmm. would rehearse eight counts until it was perfect before yeah. they moved on to the next. Mm-hmm. And I guess I I certainly see the value in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I catch myself micro rehearsing all the time. And I think we know. a great know, term for it. Micro rehearsing. Well, again, yes. stolen. Yes. No, but I term. agree. Yeah. But uh I, and I think it's all about balance between the micro and the macro. Yes. And so like, uh, and then helping the students understand like, okay, so this level of excellence mm-hmm. that we just worked on mm-hmm. <laughs> needs yes. to be copied and pasted. And now do it everywhere. Show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but your kids are smart enough to have gone through that, learned that skill, and now they can. I think preparing your students to to be that kind of a learner is maybe something that not everyone recognizes as an important part of the process. It isn't just you're going to rehearse the entire show in its minutia nonstop. You can't do that. That's no. not efficient. You had a thought. Go for it. <laughs> uh, well, and then the other part is allowing the students to have a voice in the artistic decision making. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just always about, I'm always about empowering our kids. Yeah. Um, and if they, if, <laughs> if I'm the one with the biggest stake in our performance, we have a problem. Something's wrong. Yeah. Okay. If I care the most. Yeah. And, and so like, all right, kids in the score, it says we're going to release on beat three, mm-hmm. but you are naturally rehearsing, releasing on beat. Well, some of you are naturally right. re- releasing on, on beat four. Yeah. So Let's do both. Yep. And then we're going to vote. And see which and one makes are, the most sense. I do the same thing. We are never looking things. back after that. Mm-hmm. We are not. We are not. We're going to make the decision and then we're going to move on. Absolutely. Okay? Yep. And so I just think that it's it's democratic. Yes. And, uh, you and know, it gives we, them skin in the game. More so absolutely. than them just out there being puppets to whatever some adult told them to do. And, and quite frankly, I don't want everything on my shoulders. Well, there's that too. I mean, honestly, what good yeah. comes of that, really? Right. I mean, aside from you, if it all goes perfectly, feeling like king of the world and getting all the compliments, okay, great. But like, what does that even mean? What does that have to do with anything? I, <laughs> what did you accomplish with that? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be, at least for, for me, it has to be we, not mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I think that sets our students up to be more successful yes beyond show choir i agree because there's so many lessons for them to learn nobody is going to professional show choir they're not going Mm -hmm. to perform professionally like perform now they may be on our side of things at some point sure Sure. but 
you're not preparing them for a career in the NFL of show choir. It just doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. they've got to be getting mm-hmm. something else out of the deal. It can't just be that, uh, which yeah. I totally agree with. That makes a lot of sense. And the micro rehearsing thing, I think a lot of us can relate to that where you get into the like tiny, tiny, tinies of something. Or I'll do it when I'm starting the show rehearsals for the year. Like the first few rehearsals are like me micro rehearsing the first 12 measures of the opener. And then I never do that again with the entire rest of the show. And so those, but inevitably those 12 measures end up being the worst of the whole show sometimes because Mm -hmm. we worked them to death. Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was sort of our like our project or that was our like, you know, incubator for how the show's going to work. And then now that's, the beginning of the show and it was a nightmare so i've learned to not use the beginning of the show for the uh, <laughs> incubator rehearsals <laughs> that is a great point because mm-hmm. if the kids also hate the beginning of the show then right. that's not great yes mm-hmm. i guess and you have to focus on details that actually matter yes not just random that, details yeah yes mm-hmm. De- uh, details that uh enhance the the drama mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. build the musical tension those sorts of totally, things. Totally, yes. Because or, more importantly, release the musical tension. Yes, and that one, I think, gets lost a lot in show choir. I don't know why mm-hmm. that's the one that we let go of and just don't care about, but that one I think it's be- maybe it's because of the constant need to be the loudest. Okay, I'll buy um, that, yeah. And that I just, oh, I think there's so, like, what gives me the goosebumps when I listen to choirs is actually the way they taper off mm-hmm. the peak of a phrase. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting to that moment and then departing from it. A super um, soft it's... unison where the guys are up in their almost head voice and the girls yeah. are down. Like, that'll yeah. kill me every time. And that has nothing to do <laughs> with how loud they are. Like, nothing, yeah. you know? I, I totally get that. And I think also, like, a big, big moment in the ballad, let's say, because I do, I do love that when you know like you come up to the apex and then it's a cappella and it's huge, right? Yep. That only has the impact it does if you haven't been shouting at me for the previous ten minutes. Sure, so sure, absolutely, it really is. You're right. I think loudness is highly overrated, but <laughs> like projection is one thing, loudness is a different thing, and and mm-hmm. we should not just lean on that as a as a society of show choir oh my gosh my brain the fact that i have said this many smart words in a row for an hour is a miracle you're doing really great bless you um okay well then let's go ahead and do the five questions that everybody gets asked this is one of my favorite parts because i get to hear funny stories about you as a performer okay so your favorite form of entertainment so what do you do when you're not working to entertain yourself like watch movies listen to music do you like to exercise do you oh this is going to be entertaining i can tell okay where are we going with this i really like food food I like to eat. <laughs> yeah so uh I no one has one ever those... said that but i agree with that so deeply <laughs> i'm one of those insufferable people who started a sourdough starter no that's over, during the shutdown admirable actually yeah and i haven't really done a whole lot with it but i haven't killed it oh its name is bread brimmeyer by the way <laughs> and uh oh my so gosh. I, I have a lot to learn there i um, love that that's but hysterical. it is it's been fun i haven't killed it yet we've had some some delicious things i'll bet yeah uh, and then yeah and just like so we have three healthcare workers in our family in my wow. like my immediate family, uh-huh. <clears throat> sisters, brother-in-law, mm-hmm. you know, they're treating COVID patients. Mm-hmm. 
uh, two of them are directly. Yeah, wow. And so, like, us getting together for for Thanksgiving and Christmas is not an option. No, for sure. And uh, <laughs> so that means that I got to really sort of dive into the holiday dishes and yes. things. And it's just super, super fun. I really, that's been a great thing for me to sort of occupy my time and my increased time yes. in sort of the brave new world we are in. Yes. Um, Cause that's do been like, hard if you really like work. I don't know if you're anything yeah, like right. me, but I really like work. Yeah. There were yeah. some times where I was it's home. Purpose, yeah. yeah. Even though I love yeah. my kids, I'm happy to be here. There were definitely right. days where I was like, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> still home right now. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so cooking, that makes me happy good. for your I wife. Do, <laughs> I do like, right. I, she's a good cook too. So we, sometimes and we need actually, a break, right. Um, my, I, we really enjoy cooking together. It mm. doesn't happen a whole, it doesn't happen a whole lot, but yeah. it is, it's really nice just to have somebody who gets it yep. to kind of tag team with. Yeah. Um, though I, I need to be careful because she has like called me on mansplaining a couple times. So I need, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to become more sensitive. My husband and I are in that zone right now as well. He'll look at me and he'll be like, <laughs> what did he say the other day? Oh, we were buying furniture for our new living room and I was talking through different places I wanted to look at. And I had said a couple of times, like, I love the look of West Elm, but that's like way too pricey for what we want to spend. Right. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. Two weeks later, we're looking through things, and he goes, hey, look at this. And he turns and looks, shows me a website, and I'm like, that's West Elm. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, yeah, listen. So they have – and he starts explaining West Elm to me, and I'm like – "Oh." And he looks at me, and he goes, have we already talked about this? I'm like, oh, at length. And he goes, Yikes. am I mansplaining West Elm to you? I'm like, just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> we can laugh about it. It's just... right. I see. I mean, it's good. Awareness is the first step to, <laughs> exactly. to self-improvement. <laughs> But Oof. that's okay that you're aware, and that's really awesome. And honestly, I'm sure she's just happy to have a partner in the kitchen. Because, listen, that's one of the hardest things of quarantine is everybody wants to eat three yeah. times a day. Like, yes. all of them. What in the world? Like, can you just I mean, not? I guess you can go out to a restaurant, but it's it's risky. We haven't been to a restaurant since March. We've only gone uh, to patios. Yeah, I mean, I well... I've only done that one time too, but yeah, exactly. And let me tell you, patios are not looking super attractive. Uh, Where you the, are, no. Yeah, right now, <laughs> not super great. In the claymation snowstorm that you are having, no. Um, <laughs> it's raging. We it's raging. Uh, even here, even here, where it's you know still in the 60s most days, it's just there's also just a lot of people. So you know, because everyone's eating out of patios, so it sort yeah. of maybe defeats the purpose of being yeah. socially distant in our case, yes. but I don't know. Okay, second question then. By the way, also I appreciate that you did not answer with music as your well, entertainment, because I, I am you know, not someone like that, so I get it's it. My biggest, it's my biggest professional weakness is mm -hmm. that I just don't listen to a lot of music. I like I, I like listening to music, yes. like when Elise turns it on, mm -hmm. um, but I rarely instigate it. And if I do, it's like a lot of times it's jazz. <laughs> something which isn't bad. It's something I maybe don't... you don't have to think about. You exactly. don't have to like program it. You don't have it's, to like decide yes, it's it. It's more about ambiance. Yes. Um, I also like soft piano. I don't know when that happened. It was when I was writing the book. I know when it happened because I needed things that didn't have sure. words because yes. I couldn't write words in the book and hear yes. people saying words. Um, so like 
Leslie Odom Jr.'s Christmas and jazz albums. Oh, it's so good. So good. Like, I'll listen to that all day long, but I don't don't really listen to music unless it's top 40. Like, I could could see some of that for you. I do attempt to jog, Mm -hmm. um, and I've been doing a good job of keeping it going through the winter so far. Um, but I don't listen to music. I listen to podcasts. Same. And yeah. I, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I've learned so much. Yeah. Um, and I've laughed. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing is to like, I mean, I will like be belly laughing as I attempt to go on a jog. What is your favorite podcast? Oh, uh, that is not a fair question. <laughs> um, I, I love two. actually, well, the, uh, I do. Lo- it's not even a podcast, though. It's a, just a podcast of a radio show. Okay. I love listening listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Yes. Um, it's just, I mean, it's, of course, it's an old person podcast. So yeah, of course. Although I also but, listen to how I made this. Right, right, right. And those sorts of things. And Yeah, you know. I just, I what I love about Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is I, um, <laughs> it starts becoming a source of my news. Uh, <laughs> right. But And it also just sort of helps me keep things in perspective because, yes. you know, while sometimes I get frustrated with things in the news, it's good to have the humorous aspect to be yes. like, well, this isn't super great. Um, and but... maybe, th- maybe this should concern you, but also you're still able to lead a normal life. Right. Because and... that's not the case in a lot of outlets at this time. It feels right. very doom and gloomy all the exactly. time. Have you ever right, right, done right. your so... Enneagram number? Uh, I think Elise has tried to get me to do it several times and I don't, uh, does it go up to like eight? It does. Yeah. It goes up to nine. I, yeah. Oh, I feel like I might be a seven. I don't know. Maybe I feel like that also. And so I want you okay. to ask her about it. Cause I would love to know what yours ends up being, but I'm a seven okay. wing eight that leans hard on the eight. And I think there's a lot of similarities in what you and I say and think that I would be like, Hmm. That would be, but what you're saying about the news is a classic seven thing where yes. it's like, we don't love to dwell in the dark emotions. Like, right. you know, yes. so that's, you know, I get that. I hear that. Okay. But it's so, also super important to know what's going on. Yes. And so we will give people that as well in the bio if they want to go listen. If you guys don't listen to things like, wait, wait, don't tell me already. I know that's, as you said, an old person thing, but if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, you're probably old enough to be doing things like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Favorite show, queer show you have ever seen. You can't have had anything to do with it. Mm. Audience member only. Or you saw it on YouTube. It doesn't have to be in person, but. Boy, that's a good one. Um, there are, it's more like songs that sort of stick out to me. Okay, that's um, fair. Or moments. But like, so during our 45 days of Zoom studio. Yes. Uh, we would, you know, you have to. It was all about just sort of changing yes. changing things up to keep kids coming back and logging mm-hmm. on. And we started doing show watches. Oh, I love that, yep. Uh, as part of that and just sort of talking about, you know, watching great shows and great choirs mm-hmm. programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went back and watched the 2013 Wheaton Warrenville South Classics do the Cinderfella show. Yep. And just, uh, I was going to talk about it earlier about, like, not executing choreo 100 percent perfect but yeah. dancing uh-huh and having individual style mm-hmm. um dwight just, lends itself to that as well though too i think the absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely um but also like you know you want to talk about somebody who's detail focused oh for sure um, yeah mm-hmm. and, and i think about john burlace mm-hmm. and and like 
when he comes to clinic us last December before our preview show, like the little details that he's adding to our set pieces, yeah. like like hot gluing Atari game covers onto the front like, of the okay. toy store. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just, and like the, he goes and he finds like really sort of bizarre, cheeky video, you know, early video games. Yep. Like there was one entitled, I've Wasted My Life. And it, <laughs> and that is that was on the studio set. Like, and of course you'd never see it. From no, far I was away, gonna say I didn't notice but that. Yeah. I just love the little. It's always little nuance. Yeah. With him and his shows, and like the humorous elements and the yeah. emo, you know, the, the 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 tragic elements and the anger elements. Mm-hmm. Um, the arc that that his shows would take you on, I think was always really special. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about Andy Last's group of um, uh, Xavier Zillaration. I feel like maybe my first year teaching, uh, we were in on Alaska okay. with the um, with the Johnston groups, and I believe their ballad that year was Let It Be, the Beatles Let It Be. Yeah. And they like turn around and you think the ballad's going to be over, they turn upstage, yeah. and then they just flip around and let it rip yeah. vocally. And it was like, oh, what is that? <laughs> um, of course, you know, the there are so many amazing productions uh, from our friends in California. Oh, I know, right? Uh, and I remember the first, like, California show, um, it would have been Los Alamitos at Showquire Nationals um, in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it was 2010. I don't remember the show, but just like experiencing. And then also like walking past those students in those costumes, like yes. where each individual piece is constructed. Like mm-hmm. that was a pretty mind blowing mm-hmm. experience. I just have so much appreciation for the production. Div- Yes, and also the diverse. So, like, but all three of these things I've talked about that have that just came to my brain like that yeah. are things, things that are so diverse. Mm-hmm. Like, there's more than one way to do this thing. Yes, there is, and it has to do with who your kids are. Absolutely, the way that you decide to do it. Like, you need to know who your clientele is, who your you know who your audience is. Those are all important things. If you just mm-hmm. you yourself sit in a room alone. And make all the decisions and then stick it on these children for an audience. It's always going to read as false. It's always going to read as pushed, you know, and like manufactured. Um, But yeah, all the ones you just talked about are ones that where you sit, even I think as a music person, and you can enjoy it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And the show that um, it seems maybe a little early to talk about. Uh, a show I just saw last season, but I have to mention it because I think it's the most fun I've ever had in an audience. Well, then definitely. And that's and that's the uh, Sioux City East headliners last year. It the, the was New Orleans jazz funeral. unbelievable. That was the last I mean, thing I judged before COVID started, and I, yeah. uh, my brain just fell out of my head. It was so oh, yeah. good. Face meltingly awesome. Yep. Like those trombone players <sighs> in that band, and then this the electricity of the singers and dancers um if you haven't seen it again i put always the links in the bio here friends but this yeah. they're they're doing a funeral march in mm-hmm. new orleans at yeah. one point through this i mean it is 
and the set is amazing and the costumes are amazing and it's just the way they're dancing and the way they've bought into the singing and all uh, the whole gamut of what's happening on stage they are so bought in and you just can't help but be like this is one of my favorite things i've ever seen i totally agree with you yes yeah it's and i i just remember like sitting back and just grinning like an idiot the whole time did we judge together no you weren't there no, I think I saw him, I want to say I saw him twice because we, I mean, we were at their contest together. Mm-hmm. We were performing, mm-hmm. um, but I saw him earlier, I think. Oh, duh. Yes, Roosevelt. I remember. Okay. Yes. And it was just, I mean, it was just as amazing mm-hmm. that early in the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, yeah, really you, fun. When you get one that's good like that, I love when that happens, when it's early in the season even and everything is locked and you just know yeah. it's going to be one of those years. I love when that happens. Those are great answers. So many people answer that show from Wheaton. I mean, like, literally, yeah. I think I've only done one interview where somebody didn't mention it. Um, so if that's not enough reason for you to go look it up, if you haven't yet, friends, you need to go do that because it's, I mean, it really is that awesome. Um, okay, now, follow-up question. This one's usually harder for people. Um, your favorite show that you have ever been involved in? You were the director, you were a performer, you were pit conductor. Hmm. Yep. Uh, I just really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the whole trilogy we just wrapped up last year. Yes. Uh, I, the wedding show from 2018, um, was super fun. Bonus content. I have a photo of me wearing the dress. I will post it. <laughs> that, you know, that dress moment. I remember Steven like explaining to me what so he wanted it to be in, july mm-hmm. and i just sort of was like i was okay. on the phone yeah i was on the phone at my house being like uh, uh, uh okay and then i just like i tried to describe it to elaine our costume mom yep. and then she was like yep i know exactly what to do you're like thank goodness because i do not <laughs> and then like we once we had the dress mm-hmm. <clears throat> we um <laughs> we practiced with the dress during my home room like oh. most of these kids that weren't even show choir kids, I was like, "Hey, come here! I gotta we we gotta try we, we gotta try see if this dress gonna, on." <laughs> well, I, I like we have to figure out if this is gonna work. And, you got this random kid who's just oh, yeah. in your homeroom and has nothing to do with choir walking up the risers in the dress. Well, that was the majority of them. I yeah. love so, it. Like we figured out how well because I wasn't gonna waste like forty five minutes of rehearsal and figuring it out been. how the dress was gonna work. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so that I just like. There was a, a studio alum who's my age. We went to college together. Yeah. And she brought her son to see the show. And, like, how that – just that silly idea of, like, a quick change mm-hmm. behind a behind a curtain of mm-hmm. a wedding dress, like, yep. blew people's minds. Yeah. And, and – <laughs> Which I mean, is really this, not that difficult, but also – yeah. Right. This little, like, six, seven-year-old boy, like – just thought that like somehow the wedding dress like magically shot the dresses the new dresses onto the girls and like <laughs> it was just i mean that's what i love about and you know you're not always going to have those moments in every single show but like i yeah i if we can inspire like this feeling of awe and magic yes. in our in our audience i mean that's then we've won yes, yes. oh it is for sure mm-hmm. and then of course you know the, the cruise ship. I mean, that's really where we leaned into things. I've just like, never maybe, and you talk about early in the season, I because I, I judged you guys, I think, of that first weekend out. I have never enjoyed 
a show the first weekend the way I did the cruise ship show. Um, because again, like you said, you just leaned all the way into the insanity yeah, that we, was that show. They just, they just went for it. And, and it fit those kids. The singing was fabulous. You know? I mean, like all parts of it were good. It wasn't just that it was fun and silly. Like the singing was incredible. And again, yeah. in January, I remember watching that going, what the heck am I going to say to them? Because it was critique. I was like, what the heck are we going to work on? So I, you made me work really hard that first weekend. You nailed it. Oh, it thanks. was just what we needed. Well, because yeah. usually, you know how that is. Like early on, there's almost too much to critique. Right. Those yeah. first couple weekends, you're like, I don't I don't know what I'm going to say because there's 400 things. But like yes. your guys' was like, okay, I'm going to have to work really hard to find something to say. And they were just great all year with that. And so if you haven't watched those two in particular – He's talking about the trilogy. So these, those two, it starts with a wedding, them falling in love and getting married. Then they go on their honeymoon. They're on a cruise ship, basically, in the mm-hmm. second number. And then the third one that was this year was 2020, right? Um, yeah. So that was what part of the trilogy of their life? So, so that was kids. Yes. <laughs> that was kids in, a, kids in a, a toy store, which then sort of becomes outdated and closes and then reopens as yeah. a... A video arcade. But I love that they reopen it. It was kind of a, this used oh, to yeah. be my playground moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's all, it's kind of about, it's about creating drama and conflict mm-hmm. in 18 minutes. But solvable you know? drama and conflict right. in 18 minutes. Because that's yeah. something people don't always do well when they're doing story shows. It's sure. like, and then this character, and you're like, ma'am, you cannot have characters. I mean, you can have mm-hmm. like, that's a lie. You can have characters, but they can't have like dialogue. You can't need like all of these things in order to make it make sense. It's got to be simple enough. And yours was. It was very like, we all understood what was happening. We were all right there with you and you were able to resolve it. As opposed to like, in the last two minutes, it's the closer and now we're fine. Like how many shows we watched where you're like, oh, well that. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to flow. It's got to feel natural. (laughs) All right. You have said that you were not in a show choir your senior year. Um, Because Ames did not have one for you to be in, correct? So I will amend this to say musical as well. But um, do you remember any of the senior musical or, you know, show performing type of songs that you would have done your senior year of high school? Uh, Senior year of high school was Guys and Dolls, I think. Mm. Were you a lead? Um, I was Benny South Street. Uh, I have directed that show, so I know that character. Yes. Yes. Super fun show. And then what do you have a memory of being on stage as a performer that's like your just absolute favorite, whether it was your senior or not? Oh, that's um, honestly, it was probably singing in college choir. Yeah, um, it was uh, it was sort of having that national conference experience in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Yeah, I think it was two, 2005 mm-hmm. and like being in the I think it's called like the Cathedral of the Angels yes. in L.A. Yes. And just. First of all, just like this boy from Iowa, um, be getting to go to LA, like that's not somewhere. Um, my parents like to take us to like places with mountains and no people and sure. forests. So not LA, uh, the opposite of LA. right. And yeah. so like it was cool to go and be a part of that artistic environment and yeah. like be exposed to what that was like. Like to go to concerts in the Walt Disney Concert Hall. So beautiful. Um, I mean, just a really exciting mind-opening formative experience for me mm-hmm. okay well then that's and, an actual answer right and like hearing like an audience react to stodgy choral music the way that they react right because it's adult professionals who love stodgy choral music like that doesn't happen exactly. anywhere else except for those so that was cool and it's also it's it's 
uh, exciting to think about how much like programming and the art form has evolved yes. even since then mm-hmm. in, in the 15 years since then. So, so like there's, there's a lot happening and I'm really hopeful and excited for the future of what we're, what we're doing. Oh, me too. I feel more excited about traditional choral music than I have in a long time right now, actually. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, yeah, that's exciting. I agree with that. That's a great way to put that. Okay, here we go. Most embarrassing stage moment. Oh, man. I mean, for me, it's kind of like every day I'm in front of my students. <laughs> my voice cracks all the time. Voice cracks? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a reason. I mean, all the time. Like, just in talking to you, I know there are cracks on the Probably. Recording. I'm not going to edit Which, them out, though. It doesn't make... Well, thank you so much. Um, it doesn't make doesn't make any sense like i'm totally rested like i'm a fully grown okay. adult what in the heck? i have yes i have like i have navigated puberty um, <laughs> this should not be continuing I, yeah i you know my mom's voice cracks a lot god oh, bless her and maybe it's I'm, just hereditary it's yeah that's super great for a, a teacher of singing <laughs> it's so great you sound vocally unhealthy literally every day it's mostly in my speaking, though. I mean, a lot of times when I'm singing or demonstrating, I'm fine because now I have the technique to back that up. But it's like, I don't know. You know, I I think about, like, horrendous things that have happened to, like, our show choir kids, yeah. like boys' pants splitting right. on stage right. in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, like, somebody definitely coming on stage. At uh, the wrong have, time. Yeah, well, yeah, wrong or, outfit. like, not having changed their costume mm-hmm. and not realizing it. That is like, my most embarrassing moment, by the way. <laughs> I did that as a teenager. So yeah, that's, that's the one so, I go to. I don't have anything like that. Um, but, uh, I definitely know like my junior year playing Albert in Bye Bye Birdie. Um, I was not good at stage kissing. I'm, I, I'm sure like, I feel so bad for my co-lead. I'm pretty sure I did not do a very good job. Oh that. my gosh. Cause who really um, is good at that? As I get older, I'm ugh. like, what a weird thing we force children to do at that age. It, like, Oh man. I, and I'm, sh- oh, God, I just, I don't even want to think about it. It's so, <laughs> then that it's is cringe, it. Then that's your most embarrassing. If you don't want to think about it. I love that answer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Ted, thank you for chatting. This was, this was such great. a good conversation. I am. Yeah. Really glad we got to talk a lot about choral music as well, because I think that that's an important part of what you do and what you do well. And I want people to hear someone who does that side of it really well, also does show choir really well, and know that they don't have to be mutually exclusive and that they can be each other. It's been an absolute pleasure. You are a master interviewer, Jen. Oh, thanks so much. And uh, it is... Uh, it's just, uh, it's an honor to be included with so many geniuses. On I could it not. You were my one of my first thoughts early on, and I was like, I'm going to save him for when I'm doing Iowa as the podcast day, because that's who I want to talk to about Iowa for sure. So. It, well, this was super fun. 